Look who we are, we are the dreamers, we make it happen, do 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 do. The World Cup is on, motherfuckers, that's right, look at me, I'm sleep deprived already, I'm excited, I'm cranky, I'm happy, it's all the emotions that you get going into a spectacle on such a big stage like this. How good, welcome back to the Mr. Sitter Show, guys, or welcome if this is your first time. Thanks for joining me. Um, This is going to be a short episode, obviously, um, in my daily series because we only had one match last night, uh, this morning, today. We only had one match, uh, and it was was a good one um, for a little bit. It was a good one, um, and we'll chat about that in a little bit. But before we do, I want to get on to the opening ceremony, Uh, the weirdest opening ceremony in World Cup history, can I say. I felt like I was flying to Greece uh, on like an Emirates flight watching the video package that they had playing before the thing started. Uh, It was just like weird Arabic shit uh, and and just strange things that you would never see before. Uh, Flying whales going towards the stadium, just like flying whales in the sky going towards the stadium. Um, And then once once the whales get to the stadium, I guess maybe the whales we're supposed to be metaphorically us. We arrive on the whales to the stadium. And then once we get to the stadium, the, the, the opening ceremony is replete with, um, you know, dancers and this cool light show and camels and really showcasing uh, what it what, what the Middle East is all about, which was really nice, really cool. And then for some reason, there was a guy um, with no legs. There was a guy with no legs. They said he was somebody. They said he was... I, they said he was somebody... I didn't hear who he was. I didn't research who he was. Sorry, the guy with no legs. He was he was a he was a walking. He was a torso walking around uh, on his arms, uh, and you know, nice uh, guy tick for the disability um, spot, disability box on your uh, on your diversity quota Qatar. Yay, guys! Um, so just a, just a true showcase of um, of what the Middle East is all about. And Morgan Freeman. That's right. 95-year-old Morgan Freeman is just wheeled out to give basically the narration of, you know, oh, the World Cup is this event that brings everybody together and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and he, he, he's talking as if he's talking to the torso. Um, but, like, it's a conversation between the torso and him and then both him... And um, I should stop calling him the torso. That's really disrespectful. Both him and the other man uh, were taught. It was like a conversation about Qatar or, or football or some shit. And they had the, the like the narration on the video playing around the stadium, and they were clearly lip syncing to their own narration that it had been pre-recorded because the timing, especially for Morgan Freeman, was just so so off between what he was saying and and what. Um, and what was and what was coming out of the uh, of the video package? Um, so that was really funny. And then um, at the end of it, the the two of them, uh, um, Morgan Freeman and and the other gentleman, uh, they like touched they like touched fingers from afar. Like they didn't they didn't shake hands or or hug or anything like that. They touched fingers. And Morgan Freeman was kind of lying down in a 
in a tranquillo like pose the whole time while he was talking to this guy and so when they touched fingers it looked like the um the painting the creation of adam you know where they with god and adam are touching fingers um which is very funny uh then morgan freeman presumably was flown immediately back to chicago or wherever he lives and um then they they had a little the little dance party they played all of the songs from the previous um world cups and they had all the mascots from the previous tournaments come out and the mascots were joined by the mascot for this tournament that no shit is a turban the, the mascot for the qatar world cup is a is a flying i think it's supposed to be like a cute ghost um effigy but it is a turban um which i kind of like it's it's, it's it's cute um so we had the turban come out turban did a little dance and then before the final kind of musical break there was um there was the the singing of the official world cup song which is um which is sung by uh which is sung by the lead singer of bts korean korean boy band bts uh jungkook um it was dua lipa was rumored to be doing the uh the world cup opening ceremony uh, when quizzed about it, she responded with uh, "fuck that," or, or maybe I'm paraphrasing, but but she she you know quoted the uh, side of the human rights issues as the reasons why she would never fucking do that. So instead, they brought out Jungkook, uh, looking like the scariest anime villain um, that I've seen, and that's not a racist thing, guys. I watch more anime than anybody you know. Just ask Vegeta. Um, so when I tell you he looks like a creepy anime villain, um, I'm serious. Um, and he sings, uh, the song that I was singing at the start of this episode, which I think is supposed to be like the waka waka of this, um, of this world cup. Pretty cool tune. Uh, not going to ever remember it ever, but pretty cool tune. And then once that was finished, they did the kind of fadeaway shot of the stadium, um, and uh, that's the Albait Stadium. It's not where the final's happening, but it's the Albait Stadium in Doha, which is designed to resemble a traditional Bedouin tent. The Bedouins are, of course, the, the nomadic tribe that kind of go from country to country within the Middle East. Uh, it is designed to resemble a Bedouin tent, but it does look like a pizza box, this stadium. Um, but it housed a great game. How's a great game? Uh, one little thing that I will that I will apologize to any international viewers or listeners for for citing, but I do feel uh, like it's important to say that the SBS coverage uh, are going to really kill us with these fucking ads because they found a way to shove ads for like whatever TV show they're plugging at the moment in between anything that happens. So um, I'm going to be really sick of the shows before I've even seen them, and some of them look interesting. Uh, for example, Why Women Kill looks like something that um, is, is it's quite highly rated and looks like something interesting. I'm never going to fucking watch this thing after how many ads I've seen for it in between literally anything happening in this World Cup. They're just playing ads for it. Uh, so, but th- that's, that's, every, that's every major tournament. You get sick of the ads. That's, that's the one thing that is uh, universal across all of these tournaments. So, sick of Why Women Kill. I, I want to know why women... I want to know why women aren't in the stadium. <laughs> we'll get to that in just a second uh, because we're going to talk about the match. Uh, Ecuador versus Qatar. Qatar, Ecuador. Uh, Qatar obviously being the home uh, team. Uh, I was very excited going into this match because I I had a, I have a good feeling about Ecuador and I believe I was proven right in this game. 
Uh, looking at the starting 11s, uh, apparently five out of the 11 for Qatar are naturalized players. I mean, they're not born in Qatar. And it's not a naturalized thing like, like I could play for Italy or Greece, you know, because my grandparents are born in Italy and Greece. I don't believe that is the, is the kind of situation here. I don't think any of those players have any Qatari lineage whatsoever. Uh, and you, you, you look at it, and before before Martin Tyler, legend, even said that five of the Qatar 11 were naturalized, I'm looking at the starting 11 like, oh, there's like five or six black guys here. And I wasn't aware that, that within Qatari diaspora that there were black guys. And um, no, I was proven to be correct because any time the camera would pan to the crowd, it's just the most Arabic-looking guys. There's no black guys at all, no black people. And I say black guys um, because not only was there not a single black person in the Qatari contingent of the um, crowd, there wasn't a single woman. There's not one woman in the entire crowd. Not one. Every time it panned to the Qatari people, it's just blokes. It's about it. Uh, and yeah, that's not good, guys. That is absolutely not good. First of all, the female World Cup fans, one of the most important and crucial and historic uh, elements of the World Cup. Uh, you, you guys all remember Paraguay Girl from 2006? I know I'll never forget Paraguay Girl from 2006. There is always one cameraman every World Cup whose job it is to just go through the crowd and find chicks. That's his job. That guy would have had a terrible time in last night's game. Very, very upset for him. Uh, Qatar is actually one of the most regressive countries in the Middle East for women's rights. Uh, there's, of course, the big love crime controversy. It's illegal to have um, to have extramarital sex. So if you're not married to somebody, you can't have sex with somebody. It's illegal to get married unless your male guardian approves of it. So so if the uh, if if the dad or, or whoever the guardian is doesn't sign off, a woman can't get married. Uh, and then if a woman is is sexually assaulted and um, she is she is found to have known the assailant in any way. Um, so like if her num if the number of the assailant is in her phone because she's a he's a coworker um, and he sexually assaults her, that's enough to establish a, a relationship in Qatar and the woman goes to jail for being sexually assaulted because she has had extramarital sex. Uh, so yeah, not a good place for women. And I know that I kind of I know that this is supposed to be a light a comedian does soccer show. Uh, and there was a bit of chiaroscuro there because I, I made the joke about the Paraguay girl and I went into kind of a little bit of a darker tone afterwards. But I really wanted to... Uh, I wanted to have that discussion uh, act as a metaphor for this game, which was very which was very chiaroscuro in as far as the first half was pretty cool and the second half was very, very dire. Wasn't good, but if you watch the first half, you could have, and you've seen football ever in your life, you could have kind of guessed that the second half was going to be dire. Ecuador winning 2 0 against Qatar. It should have been 3 0 uh, at the end of the first half. Um, at, at five minutes, there was a goal ruled out for the weirdest offside I think I've ever seen. Uh, so there is a rule that if the goalkeeper comes out, there need to be two players of the defending team behind him. Uh, in order for the the attacking player to be onside. I think from the replay, there was one behind him. It still looks really weird on the replay, but Estrada, the other striker, not 
the one that was the kind of main star of the entire match that we'll talk about in a second. Estrada's foot, just his foot, just from, from this part of his ankle, was in an offside position, but he wasn't involved in the play at all. Uh, and the goal was ruled out. Now, obviously in this game, it didn't matter at all because uh, Ecuador would pretty much hammer uh, Qatar. But if this kind of a call is made later in the tournament and in a decisive way, there's going to be some bullshit. There's going to be some some controversy. Uh, and uh, personally, having no real dog in the, in the fight, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be fun. Uh, but it didn't matter here because... Um, Anna Valencia, who had come into this game having played three World Cup games and having scored three goals, walked away having played four World Cup games and scored five goals. Absolute fucking legend, Anna Valencia, former West Ham, uh, and he 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 was he was great. Um, he he scored a penalty which he made for himself by making a darting run and kind of drawing the keeper in. Keeper took him out scored the coolest as you like penalty, gave the keeper the eyes and just like slotted in the bottom right-hand corner and then scored an absolute monster header a couple of minutes later from across deep from the right wing, uh, at, like the perfect header, bottom left-hand corner, bullet, awesome. Um, he could have he could have scored a few other goals in the game. He was excellent. Um, it was definitely the end of Valencia show as a lot of the commentators uh, made, made known. The second, um, the second goal was from a cross from the right back, a guy called Preciado, uh, who plays for Genk in Belgium. Preciado uh, is not like he was not a starting player for Ecuador in qualifying. He was not the starting right back. The starting right back was Brian Castillo, who I don't know if you guys know about this, but there's a big controversy around Ecuador because they fielded Brian Castillo. Uh, throughout the entire qualification process and then it was realized that he was kind of illegally naturalized which is kind of funny when you consider that they played against Qatar in this game uh but he was he's born in Chile but he's grown up his whole life in Ecuador and there was this big controversy about eligibility and a couple of the other South American nations complained uh but it it was too late and instead of removing Ecuador from the World Cup Ecuador are just going to cop a point uh, deduction in the next World Cup qualifying, but to avoid controversy, uh, Castillo is not going to be playing in the World Cup. His replacement, Preciado, fuck yeah, I really enjoyed this guy. Young guy, comes in, confident display, sick as fuck afro, loved his afro, um, and uh, yeah, and he, he got the assist for Ena Valencia's second goal. He was a uh, he was he was right back, but he played uh, as the right wing back in attack. Ecuador set up in 4-4-2, but in attack it turned it morphed into a 3-5-2 with the defensive midfielder Mendes literally stepping into the like to make it a back three. He would he would become the 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 fulcrum in the middle of the in the middle of the defense. The normal Torres and uh, Hincapié would go right and left center back, and he would dictate the play because their their basic um their basic tactic in this in this game was to hit the long balls and his long balls are really good and then you had Preciado uh, press up on the right basically becoming an extra winger and Estupinian Brighton and Hove Albion uh, would go on the left and the two right and left like wide midfielders in the in the 4-4-2 setup would tuck in and become an extra central midfielder with Moises Caicedo for the attack um, Ecuador came into this clear game plan hit the long balls up to um, Ena Valencia 
and Estrada, who were big, tall, really good in the air. They would win it, they would head it down, they would hold the ball up, they would bring the midfielders and the wingers into play, and Ecuador would just pile on the pressure. They'd win free kick after free kick, and every free kick, they were dangerous because they were really good in the air. They're a serious team, guys. They're, I, I thought, I, I, I predicted that Ecuador would go through this group. Um, I, I knew about their... I've, I've seen um, Moises Caicedo and Estupinian in particular play a lot. They're really good players. I've heard really good things about Hincapié, who plays for Leverkusen, and I know that Enna Valencia is a really good player. But top to bottom, they have a really good team. They come in uh, with confidence and togetherness that I wouldn't have predicted, and they're going to be so, so hard to break down uh, and play against in this World Cup. They're dead serious. Um... The hosts, on the other hand, uh, to the disappointment of very few, uh, including myself, are uh, uh, shit. <laughs> They're pretty shit, man. Uh, Qatar, not looking good. Um, you know, it, it's hard in a lot of games to tell if one team was really good or another team was really bad. Um, and it, this game was definitely, especially the first half, was definitely a story of both. Um, Ecuador had a clear identity, they had a clear game plan. They, they did what they were supposed to do, and Qatar absolutely let them and barely threatened them in any kind of meaningful way. They had three chances all, overall in the entire game, uh, neither of, none of which were taken particularly well. Um, they, they were just totally shell-shocked by... The commentators were saying they were shell-shocked by the occasion, that they let the occasion get to them, which, okay... Um, yeah, Martin Tyler and Craig Foster both said, you know, we 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 are taught don't play the don't play the occasion, play the game. Uh, I, I I don't know if that's totally the case. I just think that they are really lacking in the quality uh, to go far at this level. And Ecuador are really really good. I was not impressed by any of their players, other than uh, their number three, Hassan, who is normally a midfielder from what I understand, but he played uh, on the left of the back three. Uh, he was actually really good. He, he snuffed out anything. His positioning was really good. Um, the, whoever was the center center back, he came out way too deep for Enna Valencia's run for the second, like that won him the penalty for the second goal and left Hassan in no man's land. But for the most part, all of Ecuador's attacks were coming down their left-hand side, which is the complete opposite to Hassan. Uh, the, the cross for Enna Valencia's second goal notwithstanding, but that was a deep cross um, from uh, from Afro Man, the guy we were talking about before, uh, well before um, you know, like he he would have been marked by the the left wing back, so it was nowhere near Hassan. He was really good. Uh, other than that, you know, didn't didn't none of the players none of the players for Qatar were very good. The goalkeeper Al Sheeb, oh he was he was horrendous. He was he was pretty bad, man. For that un, for that um unallowed goal, the disallowed goal, he totally fluffed. Like coming out, uh, was beaten in the air by by the center back from Ecuador, and then for the penalty, he just got absolutely mind fucked by Ana Valencia. Gave him the eyes. Uh, he's going to be a bit of a liability. I don't like. I think it's going to be a, a clean sweep for Qatar in terms of loss, loss, loss. They don't look like they can threaten anybody's defense, much less uh, one that contains Virgil Van Dyke or Kaladu Kulabali. Uh, which are the two defenses that they are coming up against next. Uh, I don't think they're going to do anything. Um, they are the first team in World Cup history to be the hosts and lose in the entire 90-year 90 his, 90 history of the World Cup. Never happened before. 
It's happened now. Uh, no bueno, boys. Uh, and the worst part about it is coming into this match, Qatar ranked 50th in the world and Ecuador ranked 44th in the world. That's so unbelievably disrespectful to Ecuador. They they were the third best team in qualifying from uh, South America behind Argentina and Brazil. Uh, they qualified ahead of Colombia and Paraguay and Peru and Chile. Uh, they have an amazing, amazing defensive record. They haven't conceded a goal in now like 12 hours, I think. Uh, they're really, really good. And this is just another testament to the fact that FIFA rankings are a load of shit. Total, outer bullshit. Um, and I hope that they, I mean, I, I've, my prediction is that they are going to go far in this tournament, or at least they're going to make it to the round of 16. Uh, and I hope that ranking climbs because they're a team on the rise, man. They've got some, they, they're a young team. They're a really young, exciting team, and a Valencia notwithstanding. Um, and they just the totally outclassed Qatar, who were six, six rankings behind them. Yeah, sure. Uh, Qatar were fouling the shit out of Ecuador, but not in a dirty way. Uh, Martin Tyler put it perfectly, as he always puts it. He's he's you know he's probably the goat. It's him or Peter Drury that are the goats in terms of commentary. But he said you know Qatar are not fouling because they're overly aggressive. They're just being completely outmaneuvered, and that's exactly what the case was. They were just a step behind everything that Ecuador were doing. Uh, but unfortunately, that resulted in one foul, which kind of tweaked Ena Valencia's knee. Uh, he looked like he might not play the second half. He did manage to come back out, but he didn't do too much in the second half, and he had to be taken off eventually, and he had ice on his knee. Hopefully, he's okay, because they're really going to need him, uh, because once he came off, they didn't look like much of a goal threat, and that was kind of the narrative around Ecuador going into this, that they ha- they don't score a lot. They you know It's a lot of one-nils and nil-nils, but their defense is fantastic, and it really was. Uh, so hopefully, Ana Valencia is okay because he's going to be crucial to them moving forward. Uh, I was really impressed by a few players that I didn't know before. Plata and Ibarra were the, were the right and left um, midfielders in the 4-4-2 that tucked in with Moises Caicedo uh, for, the, for, the, for the attack. Plata in particular, there was one point where he took the ball and he dribbled about three or four players in midfield. They're, they're really good. I was really impressed by the defensive midfielder Mendes, uh, the way he dropped in in between the centre backs, and he was playing these like Bonucci balls over the top, most of which were great. Did a couple of dribbles that were really, really good. Uh, and Hincapié, man, he looks like a fucking stud. Uh, the only non-black guy in the starting eleven for Ecuador, other than the keeper, which was cool. Um, and he's so highly rated. Um, Leverkusen can play left back or center back. He played as a left center back uh, in the three. Like, calm on the ball, super athletic looking. What a player. He's not going to be playing in Germany for long. We'll be seeing him soon. Uh, we'll be seeing him probably in the Premier League, along with the three guys that I I did know coming into this. Uh, Samiento, who's the super young guy, apparently represented England at youth level, born in Spain, but he's Ecuadorian. He's like 20. He came on uh, later on for, I believe, Ibarra, attacking midfielder, looked pretty good. He plays for Brighton, along with two other players who play for Brighton. Very interested to see Samiento and what he might develop into. He looked like a really slick player. Uh, speaking of slick players, Moises Caicedo, who having a bit of a breakout for Brighton this season. He he looks like a proper box-to-box monster. Uh, in this game, he wasn't that great. He was he was, uh, he was was part of the furniture in this game. Um, he made a, a run through 
through the midfield and then had a pass intercepted and then won the ball back after his pass was intercepted, ran out to the right wing, played the ball back uh, to the right back who who did the assist for the goal. Um, but other than that, he, he didn't shine for me in midfield, but that's only because everybody else was really good. And Estupinian, who I know very well, I watched him play twice against Juve last season for Villarreal, seen him play a few times with Brighton this year. I really like him uh, as a left wing back. He's not the best defender, uh, like a lot of fouls, a lot of smashing guys, but he's a very, very dynamic uh, forward thrust. And I think he could be a star moving forward in this World Cup and for Brighton. Uh, they got a cool team. They got a cool team, Ecuador, and I'm wearing this. I'm wearing this. You guys are going to see this a lot for this uh, for this podcast series. But um, I don't have a lot of international jerseys, but I do have a lot of different Juventus jerseys, and I'm wearing this one because it's the closest thing to the Ecuador jersey that I have because they're one of my teams. Uh, they I became a massive fan of them last night. Uh, I hope they do well against Senegal. I hope they do well against uh, the Netherlands. Uh, I on last night's performance, they could easily get a result off both. Uh, so I'm I'm pumping for Ecuador, and if if the group stage plays out the way I think it's going to play out, it's going to be Ecuador against England in the round of 16, uh, repeat from 2006, the round of 16 game. And on last night's form, and based on what we might see tonight, I would give Ecuador every chance of causing an upset against England. We'll see how that goes. Uh, tonight we have England, Iran. Senegal versus the Netherlands and the USA versus Wales. I'm going to be watching all three. I'm going to be tired and cranky as fuck tomorrow morning. I'm going to go through all of them uh, and and chat to you about what happened. Uh, I have not changed my thoughts on on any of these matches uh, in the last week. So to recap, I think England are going to just beat Iran. I think Iran are going to be really good in this tournament. I think they're going to they're going to score against England. Um, but England will ultimately win. I believe the Netherlands are going to beat Senegal quite handily. I don't think Senegal are going to be particularly impressive in this tournament. And then USA-Wales, I think Wales are just going to clinch it or it will be a draw. Not very impressed by either of those teams. This has been the Mr. Sitter podcast, guys. Uh, I know it's been a little bit longer than what I promised, but these are going to be bite-sized every day, 25, 30-minute little little chunks. And uh, man, enjoy it. Enjoy the World Cup. It's going to be fucking sick. I'm already so excited, so pumped. What a game last night was. Catch the highlights. And, uh, and yeah, Forza Ecuador, guys. Play that music. Uh, if everything about me didn't give it away, I'm a soccer guy. I play against the computer only. Because if I lose and I throw a tantrum, the computer isn't going to send me messages all week calling me sad shit dicks. But the higher teams are probably a little bit too advanced for the drills that I pinched off the FIFA loading screen. Bro, Mo Salah is putting Egypt on the map. You better start giving some energy and some love for this.